Danielle, I can't believe that we have over a million downloads on our podcast. And I think back to when we started the podcast and you were like, Whitney, we have to do a podcast. And I'm like, I don't think we can add one more thing onto our list of to-dos and creations. And you convinced me because we were going to be able to talk to some of the most interesting, powerful minds on the planet. People who are studying everything from antioxidants, metabolism, to the gut microbiome and spirit and how the mind connects to it all. Yeah, it's been a really reaffirming experience, hasn't it? And we come home to this place of food as medicine. I know we each kind of have our own stories on how food became medicine. And if you haven't heard our stories, it's the first episode of the Sakara podcast. The food that we create here at Sakara is designed to transform your gut and your microbiome health. And when you do that, you change everything about who you are. You change your mental health, you change your physical health, you change your spiritual health, you change your cellular health. As you like to say, Whitney, what you eat becomes what you are. Like your body is made up of the things that you eat and drink and think. And what you've learned by listening to our Sakara podcast is that that diversity of ingredients that you're getting into your body changes the diversity of bacteria in your gut, which is the epicenter of your health. And it supports your total body health, not just today, but into the future. And so I want to invite you, if you haven't tried Saqqara before, you deserve to feel good. You deserve to feel nourished in your body. And we are here to help you do that. You can find more details and how to customize your own plan on Sakara.com and enjoy 20% off your first order of our Sakara Signature Nutrition Program with code POD. That's code P-O-D at checkout for 20% off your first order. Order now. So wait, you're sick. I'm sick. Happily here. <laughs> I know. Aren't we supposed to be like the beacons of health? Well, <laughs> I think that's what people think that we're supposed to be. Well, I think that's an interesting point because I'm really into this idea lately that, you know, the cold is the remedy. Hmm. Explain more. The, this idea that we're supposed to like never get sick is not actually the representation of health, that getting sick can do lots of good things for the body. Like it increases your immune system. So you can maybe get rid of other viruses that you've been holding on to or, mm. you know, forced rest or, you know, it's a lot of releasing energy. Like you can probably hear it, but I'm, you know, very congested. And so constantly blowing my nose and watery eyes. And I just think of it as releasing so just this idea that the cold is the remedy where we're taught that we should avoid and fix the cold. Yeah, it's something to fight. Mm -hmm. But what if we surrender into it? Is that what you're saying? Like what lessons? Yeah, and almost have gratitude for it. I mean, uh, not saying it should be fun. Like, I, you know, I'm not telling everyone that they should have a great cold. But <laughs> Go catch yeah, a cold. But, you know, just to change our mind about it a little bit, that it's, the cold is doing something. It's not just, it's teaching our immune system. It's teaching our microbiome. It's doing all sorts of things that are also good for us. Yeah. And I think it's easy, yeah, I'll take that it's right easy now. to forget because we're like, oh, take, I mean, I find myself like, oh, take this, take zinc, get your cream juice in the morning, you know, get all your polyphenols. I think that's what it does for me is this is the holiday season. We're recording this episode in the days in between Christmas and New Year's. And it's just been go, go, go. I've been eating foods that I would say I don't normally eat in my day-to-day, -day, you know, going to different holiday events and not sleeping as much as, you know, on my regular schedule either. And so I think this cold is trying to be a reminder to me of that even through all of this, I need to take care of myself. Yeah. 
And so it's forcing me to kind of like swing in the other direction a bit. We talk about this pendulum that sometimes you're swinging more on the eat clean side and sometimes you're swinging more on the play dirty side. And now I just need to swing a little bit further into the take care of myself and take my supplements and rest so that I can get back to that you know, middle spot of balance. Yeah, and that's really kind of why we wanted to do this episode, just us today, was to really talk about, in part, that pendulum swing and what the new year means to us and what these times of these 30-day resets, what they mean to us and why we have them three times a year. Because I think if anyone out there is like, you know, me or is a yo-yo dieter, you can often look at these times as times of restriction and times of really punishment. But to your point, Whitney, I think that for me, these times of these resets that we're going to start in January, it's a time to nourish, to take care of myself, to let the pendulum swing in the other direction. And that kind of sets me up for the year. Because once I remember how good it feels to feel good, I'm much more likely to prioritize doing those things. And it is very easy to forget. You guys, even Whitney and I forget how good it feels to feel good. You like what you said, right? You get busy and and things just slip. And then the next thing slips and then the next thing slips. And before you know it, you don't feel good. And it's hard to get back to feeling good unless you just kind of reset. Yeah. And one thing that you talk about sometimes that sticks in my mind is how scary it was for you to be in a place where you didn't know how to feel good, where you didn't know the things to do in order to feel good. And you were just kind of scrambling and trying, hopping from diet to diet and this fad and that trend. And now how you talk about like that you can go and to the holiday parties and eat different things that maybe you don't eat on a regular basis and go on vacations and enjoy, you know, whatever it is that you want to enjoy because you know how to get back to feeling good. Yeah. It's a pendulum swing instead of a roller coaster. It's like the Mm -hmm. roller coaster was the scary part because you're going down and you don't know how far down you're going to go. And it's just so unpredictable and really designed to be scary. And we here at Sakara, our mission is to put people in the driver's seat of their health, to give you the tools to sit in the driver's seat of your health. Like we don't want to be in the driver's seat of your health. No expert should be in your driver's seat. You should know what's best for your body and build a body that you get to listen to. And how that happens is knowing your toolkit. And so, yeah, exactly. Now that I know my toolkit, now that I know the things I need to do to get back to feeling really good, letting myself have a couple weeks of holiday travel, whatever, more drinking or more sweet, whatever it is that maybe doesn't make me feel as good long-term, it doesn't feel as scary. And I can really let myself enjoy it and you know, live out that joy factor because the pendulum I know moves and I can move it myself. And so what is in your toolkit these days? I mean, obviously, first and foremost food. Although I've recently been really reminded that the most important part of health is really what I'm right now calling like this soul health. This idea of, you know, how much stress do you have? How much do you come back to your center? How full of gratitude are you? How can you look at obstacles as opportunities? How can you find meaning? And I think that's a really privileged place for me to be now because I've been taking care of myself through food for so long. I think for a lot of people, and certainly me, you know, 15 years ago, those weren't options for me. Or of course they were, but it felt really hard to get to a place of only gratitude. It felt really hard to get to a place of, you know, kind of inner peace because I had so much turmoil. I had so much turmoil around my relationship to myself, my relationship to food, So I really had to prioritize healing that before I could be where I am right now. So I think for a lot of people, starting with food is just the best place because it informs so much of your mental health, your physical health, your emotional, spiritual health. 
so that you can then go do that work. I think some people maybe can do the emotional, spiritual health first, but I was not that person. I was a yo-yo dieter. I didn't eat well. I didn't know how to take care of myself. So I think it depends on where you are. But so right now in my toolkit, it's like food is just the foundation. It's like what we call, you know, table stakes. I just do that because I know how much it informs how good I feel. And I really do, you know, right now I'm not in the States, so I sadly am not getting our food. But after eating our food for 12 years, it really is like I can use those principles when I'm away from the food. I can, right, one of the, I think the best ways to use those principles is eat the rainbow. I mean, if you can really truly eat the rainbow via whole foods, you're in a really good spot and trying to get a variety, which you also get by eating the rainbow. So even out here, you know, and teaching my kids, how many colors did we eat today? So I'd say that is obviously a toolkit, but then also really working on my emotional, spiritual health as well. You know, I've gone to a couple of yoga classes. I've prioritized slowing down. I've been reading this book that's the autobiography of Ram Das, and just being reminded of that we are a soul having a human experience um, and what that means and how to kind of further tease out that idea of being in the driver's seat of your health. It's like, if you're a soul having a human experience, your soul is really in charge. Your body's not. Hmm. What's in your toolkit? Well, I think it's really interesting that you're talking about soul health. I just got back last night from, I spent four days in an ashram and, you know, we do yoga, but a lot of chanting and it's singing. It's this chanting, but it's singing, right? And the words are in Sanskrit, but at the end of the day, it's it's about worship. It's about devotion. It's about having praise kind of like for God, whatever that means to you, and feeling that feeling throughout your body. And, you know, it really, you can sing these words in any language or whatever words to whichever, however you name your God, right? But at the end of the day, it's like this practice of having this feeling and these, this emotion and these connection that has the same results, which for me, it just, it's like a physical experience of cultivating joy and feeling kind of this release and this happiness and this love and this gratitude and this connection that is really, really nice. And like people can do that in the form of dancing, you know, dancing in your living room, singing to your favorite song, driving your car, singing along, playing, you know, with your kids, whatever that is that gets that feeling for you of just being kind of like connected and in the flow I find as a really great practice for soul. What did you call it? Soul health. Soul health. One yeah, of, which I really love that soul health. One of the uh, things that's really stuck out. I'm about halfway through this book, and is this idea? You know, one of our values here at Sakara is service, and it's something we talk about with our team. You know, being in service to your colleagues. We also do a lot of work in New York City, helping people who are experiencing homelessness or hunger and donating meals. We do a lot of work with wellness in the schools and have our recipes in every public school in New York City. But then also talking to our clients about being in service to others and how you can do that is by sharing your story. Because the only reason you and I are sitting here right now, Whitney, is because we shared our stories and they were scary stories to share. And they felt like our deepest, darkest secrets that we never wanted to talk about or, or, or admit. And we just decided to. And looking back, like, thinking about what it took to do that. And I don't even know if we noticed because we just we just kept going. And once you, I think both of us, once we realized that just telling our stories can help someone, it's so motivating to continue to do it again and again. And I think back to this idea of soul health, sometimes this idea of 
service. And Ram Dass talks about how the path to joy is being in service. And so soul health can really be about being in service. And it doesn't have to be even what I was just talking about. Service can be so simple. It can be somebody is coming at you with bad energy and you just hold space for that. And you recognize that that person coming at you with bad energy has something going on, some inner turmoil that is not about you. And you hold space for it instead of adding to it. Like that is being in service to that person. And so there's like, we are presented daily with these opportunities to be in service. And so when I think about, you know, what I want to bring into 2024, it's broadening my idea of what it means to be in service. That like every moment there's an opportunity. I mean, especially people with <laughs> young children, every moment is an opportunity to be in service to them. And it's easier, at least I find it's easier with kids because it's hard to be mad at them for too long. It's hard to, you know, so it's a lot easier to just notice like, oh, I want to be in service to this little soul. Like they're having a hard time and I can hold space for that. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I remember when we first started kind of down this path and learning these different philosophies and so many different philosophies all talk about service. You know, in Buddhism, they say that the fastest way to get something you want is to help somebody else to get that thing. And I would walk down the streets of New York City and smile at every single person and like say good morning to them. And just thinking about in every single moment, you have an opportunity to be in service, just like you're saying. And it can be as little as smiling at somebody, telling them hello, holding a door for somebody, giving them your seat on the subway, like little moments. Yeah, yeah for sure. And I think about back to my toolkit. Like if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not doing the things that help you feel good, it's really hard to be in service. It's really hard to hold that space if you haven't been eating well for months and you haven't been getting exercise. And I also just want to say something for 2024 too, which is, you know, when we started this with back in 2011, like wellness wasn't really a thing and nobody knew what plant-based meant. And the idea of self-care was very kind of different. I think it was more like... Bubble baths and manicures. exactly. But now as it does and as is human nature, like we've overdone it and really complicated it. And I think wellness has now just become like, it's just made our to-do list longer. And there are absolutely so many good things that's come from this wellness movement, but there's also just so many voices about what's right and, you know, what, is like that they have the answer. And especially in a day and age when everybody has a platform, a social platform, and the way to kind of be heard is to have a polarizing voice. That for 2024, I just want to remind people, as someone who is both on that path of trying to take care of myself and and honor, you know, how worthy I am to be nourished on my soul path and also deep in the literature, you know, nutrition science and learning so much in my master's program that we really don't know anything. And so anyone that's coming at you with like, this is the answer, everyone else is wrong. You must do all these extreme things to take care of yourself. That just come back to the basics. And I so appreciate the people with big audiences that are helping people come back to the basics instead of overcomplicating things. And it's eat a lot of whole foods, get a lot of colors. Mostly plants. Mostly plants, yeah. Sleep well, get rest, exercise. Mm-hmm. Take really try deep breaths. Try to reduce breaths. your stress. Yeah, take really deep breaths. Like activate your parasympathetic nervous system. Try and notice when you're in fight or flight and calm yourself. Ask yourself if in moments of stress, if it's really worth your health and then community and, and having relationships. And that those things, you know, are really the foundation to a healthy life. They don't have to be so complicated. It doesn't have to be like, you know, this one thing is going to transform your life. And yes, saunas are amazing. And this yeah. one supplement. And it's like, yeah, all those can be helpful. But if you don't have the foundation, they're not going to save the day. Yeah, totally. I I was sitting at a holiday dinner 
the other night and I was, it was a, a group dinner, seated dinner, and I was sat next to a man who I've sat at dinners with in the past. And I think we get sat next to each other because the host knows that we like to, you know, talk nutrition and health and science and biohacking and, you know, these types of things that he's also into it. And so sat down next to him and I asked him like, so what are you into these days? Like, have you seen this latest peptide that it, that people are talking about that can reduce aging by seven years? And have you tried it? What are you thinking about it? Because last time I talked to him, he was doing NAD plus drips and lots of different biohacking things. And he said, you know what? I'm not doing any of that anymore. I'm I'm not doing any of the quote unquote biohacking stuff. He actually, he he feels like some of these things are a risk. Like why take a risk with your body that nature knows best? We can't outsmart nature. And so he came back to taking care of the fundamentals and like doing a really good job at those fundamentals, like making sure he's getting enough sleep, making sure he's prioritizing good nutrition. And he feels great. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of refreshing to hear that, you know, at the end of the day, like, let's just make sure that we have those fundamentals in a good place. Yeah. And that's really to like my earlier point of every action has a reaction. And I think sometimes as humans, we can fool ourselves, you know, even people in the scientific community with the best of intentions, you know, might say something is low risk, but we really don't know that. There are risks for even things in nature, you know, but the beautiful thing about nature is that she's so much more complex and smarter than we are. And so she's one trillion steps ahead. And, you know, even the small things like people talking about kale's the enemy, it's like, you know, if you're only eating kale and kale juice, and then yeah, it is a problem. But you know what? If you're only eating red meat, it's probably a problem long term. If you're so, the really the key is as simple as we've said, like eat the rainbow, <laughs> eat <laughs> a lot of plants to you know boost your microbiome diversity. And why this is one of my themes this year is because I can feel myself having some of that anxiety of like what used to feel like yo-yo dieting of now like wanting it to be perfect, wanting to just understand what is the perfect way to eat, especially now that I'm so deep in the literature. And the more you dive in, the more you realize there's no such thing. Every single food does something good for us and potentially something bad. Every single food. There's not a food that doesn't do that. And so the key to it is diversity and balancing things and eating a variety of things. And so there's no, there's just like no one secret answer. There's no one secret food. There's the piece I got from that I want for our clients. And I want that piece of first and foremost, your soul needs to be content and happy and taken care of. And if you're not in a place where you can do that, you need to probably start with food and get your mental health to a place where you can then go prioritize your soul health. Yeah. And so like the piece that it, that came from that realization is something I want for everyone in 2024. Right. You sometimes talk about how you needed to also come from the, the food first place because food provides the raw materials to make brain chemicals. If you weren't fully nourished you couldn't even be in the right headspace to take yeah. care of yourself, to take care of your soul. Yeah, for sure. You can come at it from this direction, like nourish your body, give it the materials, ingredients it needs to do its best to detoxify toxins and balance hormones and produce brain chemicals and then see how you feel from there if, that, if you're in a better place than to take care of your soul. Yeah, yeah. And that's why these resets, like what we have in January and then we have in May and then in the fall are like, I think for a lot of people who are like me, 
who have like dieting and disordered eating in their background, it's hard to push the reset button because you're just kind of waiting for the next side or the next side. Like you're just, you're used to the roller coaster. You're on, your cortisol is high. You're used to the high highs and low lows. And so these resets are designed to really remind you how nourishing is the path to feeling really good. Nourishing is the path to building a body you feel good in, you feel sexy in. That's really the point. This year, actually in January, we have our first, for the first time we have a three-week program, but that's really why it has to be three or four weeks. It has to be long enough to remind you that nourishing is the path. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask because I think for some people, it could be scary to do what you're talking about. If I'm used to restrictive eating and counting every calorie and Saqqara doesn't provide calorie content information, how do I know that I'm not just going to gain a bunch of weight on this program and that what you're saying is true? What do you say to me if I'm that person that I'm scared to try this? I'd say that you likely are prioritizing your weight and not your health. And that if you could shift your mindset to prioritize your health first and foremost, then you can start to decide what weight is right for you from a place of, okay, I'm healthy now. Now, how do I want to look? And usually what happens is that the more you take care of yourself and nourish, the more you create the body you were looking for in the first place. And the reason that calorie in is not calorie out is because you know, you can do like a powdered cleanse where you barely eat anything and lose weight, but you're probably losing a lot of muscle weight, a lot of water weight, and it's not a long-term solution. And so what we're trying to do by not sharing macronutrient content, calories, is help you understand that it is about health first and foremost, and it's about understanding the kind of pillars to health, like eating the rainbow. Because when you go to the grocery store and go make yourself dinner, you don't have the calorie count either. And so how do calories teach you how to take care of yourself? And calories are also not a nutrient. They're how we measure energy in food, but that has nothing to do with how you actually make energy. In order to make energy, you need nutrients. You know, you need CoQ10, you need magnesium, you need B6, you need B12, you need niacin, you need, you know, you need riboflavin, you need so many nutrients to make energy. It's not as if energy comes from calories. And so making energy is just so much more complex than we give it credit for. And calories, I think, really did us a disservice. So yes, you can absolutely lose weight by lowering your calories but it's not going to be long-term healthy weight. And, you know, you need things like muscle mass, especially women as we age, because it can lead to, you know, what they call sarcopenia where you have, you know, muscle mass decrease and then bone mass decrease and it makes you age faster and you have worse menopausal symptoms. And, And so that's why I say if you're prioritizing weight loss instead of your health, my request is that you really help try and help yourself shift that, especially when you're on these resets and stop worrying about calories and because calories are not the path to health. Nourishment is the path to health and your best body is going to come as a gift from health. Yeah. The other thing about calories is, you know, you and I could each eat a packaged 100 calorie snack pack and based on how stressed you are compared to how stressed I am or where we are in our cycles or what's going on in our gut microbiomes, we could each absorb different amounts of calories from that snack pack. So just because 100 calories goes in doesn't mean that 100 calories is what's absorbed into your body either, right? And 100 calories of almonds that contain fiber, fat, and protein is not the same as 100 calories of Cheetos, you know, that that is going to be absorbed differently. Because at the end of the day, food is not just calories. Food is information. Food is telling your body how to function, what to do. It's ingredients for energy. It's ingredients for all of the processes that your body does. It's ingredients for life, right? 
food is, is so much more than a panel of macronutrients. Yeah, and we know there have been studies, you know, we know that your kind of body composition is largely due to both one, not just genetics, but really epigenetics, meaning like how your genes manifest. And so like you could be genetically predisposed for something, but it's not a gene that's turned on. So what turns on your genes is your environment. And then your microbiome, you know, they've taken twins with the exact same DNA and put, you know, microbiota from obese mice into, and then microbiota from thin mice into one of each of the twins. And the twin that got the microbiota from the obese mice ended up obese, even though they shared the exact same caloric meals. So, you know, what you eat. You're and talking that's why, about mice studies, not not human twins, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't put mice poo into human <laughs> twins, although I'm sure someone has. But yeah, that's why, you know, you have to focus on health. Like when we're talking about your microbiome decides whether you're going to be obese is one of the deciding factors then you have to be eating in a way that promotes microbiota diversity. And how you do that is getting at least 30 plants into your diet every single week. And so how you do that is by eating the rainbow. And so it just always comes back to health, even if you're looking to lose weight. And by the way, no shame if you want to lose weight, absolutely zero shame. Many people are looking to lose weight. I personally think January is a great time. I love the idea of a fresh start. Everybody loves the idea of a fresh start. And you deserve but, to feel good so in your my, body my kind of Yeah, but my prompt is if you want to lose weight, great, but that can't be your number one goal and driver. Your number one goal and driver needs to be, I want to take care of myself. I want to nourish. And then you'll find that the more you do that, the more the body you are looking for is a product of taking care of yourself. Right, that you can build a gut microbiome that helps support your ideal weight. That the more you eat these healthier foods, it can help you want to eat them more. We talk about that, how what you feed grows. So your gut microbiome is like an ecosystem and the foods that you eat feed those different microbes. And so if you're used to eating bread, meat, cheese, coffee, and alcohol as your five major food groups, the microbes that feed on those bugs is what you're going to have the most of within your gut. But the more you eat the leafy greens and eating the rainbow, then you're going to feed those microbes that live on those foods and that those will start to grow. And so you'll have more cravings for those healthy foods and it'll, it'll just be easier and easier to want to eat this way. Yeah. And by the way, you know, what's indicative of, you know, a microbiome typically in, a, in like an obese mouse, for example, is that there's way more of one to two strains and far less diversity and what they typically find in you know metabolically healthy mice and humans is that you have a lot of microbial diversity and what happens when we're eating a lot of ultra processed foods is you tend to have a less diverse microbiome and so what you get from eating a whole plant rich diet like at sakara is you get a ton of diversity of plants and each of those plants has different fibers polyphenols and things that feed different bacteria in your gut. And that's what promotes the diversity. So you need a diverse diet in order to equal a diverse microbiome and you need a diverse microbiome to be kind of metabolically healthy. And so if you are looking to lose weight, that's why you have to start with taking care of yourself and getting healthy first. Yes. I feel like that's something that we really need to drive home. I don't know how we can simplify that into some sort of like memorable tagline to help people <laughs> yeah. out in the world. But I, I just think that this is information that everybody needs to know. And we need to unlearn about calories and we need to relearn about gut microbiome health and nourishing our bodies in order to get the bodies that we're looking to have. Tell me, Danielle, if this is the same for you, but I get so many people writing to me through Instagram, mainly, 
telling me about how our probiotic has completely changed their gut, their digestive system, and really their lives. A nice place to start for people who are curious and are also experiencing gut issues is the probiotic. It has three really important things. It has probiotics, it has prebiotics, which are the food that feeds the probiotics, and it has both digestive and systemic enzymes. So digestive enzymes help with food. Systemic enzymes are actually really critical too and not talked about a lot, but systemic enzymes help clean up other parts, the kind of like trash center for debris in your body. How all three work together is really what makes our probiotic just so special. I'm kind of obsessed with enzymes right now. You don't need to be taking... 500 million, billion, trillion CFUs of probiotics every single day to get the impact. You need to be taking the right ones in the right combination that are high quality with the prebiotics, with the enzymes that is going to get you the results that you're looking for. For me, this was part of changing my skin. This was part of clearing and healing my skin was through healing my gut. And yes, it was in combination with our Sakara Nutrition Program. But I think this was the little extra booster that I needed on top of it to really make that difference. You can find more details on sakara.com and enjoy 20% off your first order of our complete probiotic with code POD. That's P-O-D at checkout on sakara.com. Yeah, and I think that all of this, it still takes effort for us. This is not a, oh, you just arrive at this place and then you're done and that's it. I think that coming back to what we said in the beginning, people want us to be this ideal beacon of health, but we're humans and our lives are not perfect. I'm not trying to be perfect. I think just like you're saying that there's learning in the unperfect I had a woman the other day, you know, she was like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear about your son with the type 1 diabetes. Did you like lose a bunch of followers and and people don't come anymore because they're like, oh, this didn't work for her. It must not really work. I'm going to be in service to this woman and not say anything <laughs> mean right now. <laughs> this, is, this is a true story, right? No, this is crazy. That's crazy. And... I said, no, you know, that like I have my personal theory on how I think it came about. And I think it came from destroying my gut diversity through years mm, of antibiotics, years of crazy antibiotics. They would give me a Z-pack, what they give you for pneumonia. If I had a cyst, they would give me a prescription to just keep a bunch of those in my desk drawer in college. And so this was before I knew how to take care of myself. This was before I knew about the gut microbiome. And I think that it made my gut in a sensitive place and that I have to work a little bit harder than maybe somebody else who didn't go through that to keep myself healthy and well. And I also just want to add to that, to your point that there's no such thing as perfect I think there are a lot of really good things that come from social platforms like community and finding people like yourself that you didn't even know existed. But there's a lot of bad and it's this idea of perfection Hmm. because what you put out, I try and do that a lot of things that are like far from perfect, but a lot of things also just end up being the highlight reel, of course, because I take yeah, pictures of, of things that are like when my kids are being super cute, not when, you when they're like inspired. slapping me in the face. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, and so, Wait, stop crying. Hold that pose. <laughs> yeah. Wait, slap me again. <laughs> I don't know. And it's just so short-sighted. And even just like back to this idea of Ram Das and then the soul's journey and the path, like the human experience by definition, is supposed to be imperfect. And I think, you know, when I think about what you've had to face with Bodhi, my personal belief is I think you are one of very few people who could handle it and handle it in the way you have. 
and could hold space for it and learn from it and create change from it and raise a beautiful human from it and do the inner work and take the lesson. And so if anything, I think things like that are, I mean, it might not be the right word, but given to people who can handle that tough of a lesson. And I also think that it's part of my soul's journey and I think it's part of his soul's journey and that I've already learned so much through it, learning more about health, about (laughs) gut health, about nutrition, about... Blood sugar. (laughs) Yeah, about blood sugar, about chronic illness and having compassion for those who are struggling. I just have to have gratitude for everything, every every piece of life. I think the other day you said that you are working on choosing family values and that you yeah. wanted resilience to be one of those values and that your realization was you can't have resilience without <laughs> the struggle, yeah. without facing a hardship, without facing a challenge, right? And so I find that I... I'm grateful for the strength that this has given me and all the the learnings and lessons that has come along with it. And with this woman's comment giving me <laughs> a lesson in just grace and this reflection and the lesson that I can share of, yeah, we're not supposed to be perfect, that we're just going through life and sharing what works best for us, what we've seen when we've talked to all these different experts and read all this knowledge and hoping that it can help a few other people. And seen it for ourselves and seen it for millions of clients. And I love, you know, thematically where you took it, which is just, and to kind of like close it, we're here to help you have your toolkit and your toolkit becomes especially helpful in times that are hard. And just because you have an amazing toolkit, it does not mean that your health or your life is perfect because your health and your life is far beyond probably what we know and can control and can understand. But if you have a really good toolkit, you have a really good chance of feeling good, of being able to look at obstacles as opportunities. And it's because I've had this toolkit that I've been able to make it through everything. And even though I have a cold right now, (laughs) maintain my health, then my sanity, because I have those things that I constantly come back to and lean on to take care of myself so that I can continue to take care of others. Well, bless that woman that she said, bless her buttons, as I like to say. And may she have 2024 in a year where she's seeking less perfection and an okay with Hmm. being less than perfect. All right, so we have heard some feedback that you guys want a lot more of these episodes of Just Me and Wit. So we're going to try and do more. And one of the parts that was requested was a rapid fire, which I, you guys, I have to tell you, Whitney and I are really bad at rapid fire. So no, they're not rapid. (laughs) That's the problem. They're like long fire. (laughs) So we're going to do our best. So we, we posted on social, like what, what questions do you want us to answer? So our team put them together. So we'll do our best. Okay. So Danielle, what are things you are releasing and seeking more of in the new year? I'm releasing letting my (laughs) idea of achievement and my need to be present and available and supportive and in service to others dictate my time. And instead, I want to make sure I'm doing what I need and that's what dictates my time. And then the leftover time is for the things I want to kind of achieve or accomplish with work, with anything. And that leftover time is also for other people to dictate what they need from me. What about you, Whit? So being more an owner of your own time, architecting your own time. Yeah, my calendar was just such a product of what other people needed from me. And now I want it to be a product of what I want to put out into the world. Hmm. 
I love that. What are you releasing and doing more of? I think I'd like to create more space for creativity. To get back into a headspace of creation, of connection. In 2024, I would love to connect with our clients more again. I've started doing some small group Zoom calls with clients. If you haven't been on one of those and you want to be on one, ping me and I'll invite you. Go to more events, maybe host more events. Just kind of bring back this community feel that we had so strongly pre-COVID. And I think people are really craving. So I'm, I'm looking for more creativity, community, and connection. Quick story on that. I am here in Central America in the middle of the jungle and I was in the ocean with my youngest and this woman came up to me and she was like, oh my God, I miss the car light. And I used to come to all of your events when you had your like in-person events at your office. And she's like, do you do those anymore? I miss those. But she lives in LA now, but she was like, you know, I would do Zoom events if you guys did those. So funny. All right, let's do them. Wellness Wednesdays, Sakara sessions. Yeah. Bring them back. Okay, let's see. Next question is, what daily life choices do you make to keep yourself aligned with the Sakara way of life now versus at the beginning? I mean, that's an easy one for me. Like for me at the beginning, it was, it almost was a chore to take care of myself because I wasn't sure. Well, I don't know. It was just like, I think I have to do this. And I was so in the headspace of food was the enemy, food made me feel bloated, food made me like not feel like myself and I would avoid it and count calories versus now food is something I look forward to, to nourish. Now I know that I'm worthy of feeling good. And so my food is a reflection of that. What about you, Wet? I'd say for me, I had to be much more strict in the beginning days of Saqqara because I really needed to work on healing my gut and I really needed to work on creating this lifestyle and these habits that I didn't have. And now I can be a bit more flexible and I have my routines and I have kind of my flow that keeps me in this homeostasis. I do these resets and so it it comes a lot more easily and naturally to me now because I put in the work early on. It's kind of like going to the gym, you know, yes, when you first start I going to the gym. Say that. It's hard and the weights are heavy. And you're like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing here at this gym. And then once you get the routine in place, you have it fit in into your schedule, you know how it works, you know what exercises you're gonna do or which classes you wanna go to or who your trainers are. And you start building that muscle and and it's all easier and you have the coordination. You can do the dance aerobics classes, you know, and and not look like an idiot. And then you also like crave it and you want to do it. And yeah. remember at the beginning of working out, especially like, I don't know, for me, Pilates, I was like, is this working? <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. You're doing the smallest moves. Yeah. It's like, I yeah. always used to believe that you had to like, be dying of sweat and like, you know, right. in fight or flight to see results. And that's kind of similar to this idea of the calorie where, you know, if you're so used to counting calories or you're so used to like working out so hard every day and then you're met with a food program was like, just eat well, just eat well, like take care of yourself. And then my Pilates instructor has like changed my life, which is you have to, she's really helped me heal my body you know, have proper alignment, know how to hold myself, build my true core, not just like my abs, but like my true core that holds me up. It's like, now it's like the the sleek muscles I was looking for and the fit body I was looking for has been a product of two and a half years of work versus like one week of working out really hard. Yeah. And then being, you know, having high cortisol and adrenal fatigue. <laughs> yeah, people want it to be fast. People want the silver bullet. Yeah, I get that. I do. But yeah, of course. But there's a cost. And the real results that you're looking for come as a product of the effort that you put into it. And that earnership 
is also an important piece of like how good it's going to feel knowing that you did it the right way and that you put in the work and you've achieved the goals at the end. Yeah. Okay, rapid fire. Let's do one more. Which one should we do? Predictions Predictions. for the wellness world in the next few years? You go ahead, I feel like you have a lot. Ooh, I mean, we talked about a big one here today, which is gut health. I think that gut health is just going to continue to be more and more important as the research comes out showing evidence that our gut microbiome, especially the diversity of gut microbiome, is linked to different chronic conditions, different diseases, mental health, I mean, everything. And so I think that's a prediction is it's going to become a bigger piece of the conversation and we're going to see more products and services and companies targeting and supporting the gut microbiome. While Sakara has been doing that <laughs> since day one. Yeah. One of the predictions I hope will happen is this idea of nutritionism will just go away <laughs> and we'll slowly realize that we can't take apart food and then villainize one part and make another part the best that we don't know enough and we probably never will to do that. Yeah, I think enzymes are going to become popular. I'm really into enzymes. I think they're underappreciated, under-talked about and underappreciated. They do so many amazing things within the body. And especially when it comes to gut health and nutrition, they're really important. They help you break down your food so that you can absorb the nutrients that you do eat. And we actually put enzymes, different types of enzymes in our complete probiotic. We call it a probiotic, but really it's so much more than that. And so if you're interested in starting to dabble in the world of enzymes, check out that product. It just, it does amazing things. I think continuing the conversation around women's health is going to be a trend in the next five years. You know, we just started having more conversations around birth and pregnancy and fertility and postpartum. And now menopause is becoming a hot topic and talking about perimenopause and menopause and what that looks like for a woman and what we can do, what foods and nutrition support women through all different stages of their health, their their bodies and their lives, I think will continue to be a big topic of conversation. And I, I hope that means that there'll be more women represented in these studies because they typically tend to be men or post-menopausal women. And there's not a lot of studies around, you know, women in their childbearing years healthy women, especially in their childbearing years and nutrition studies. Well, that was fun, Wit. I'm down to do more. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hopefully next time we won't have uh, be congested and have the sniffles, but this was great. I'm glad that we decided to keep going even with our nasally voices. I hope everybody can get past that and enjoy the conversation and the topics we talked about today. Yeah, and Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.